Hello everybody, this is Andy Steves and I'm beaming in from Dublin, the beautiful Emerald Isle. This last weekend, I spent an incredible time with 10 of my close friends and guides from all over Europe. We had Bogey in from Budapest, we had Rayanne in from Rome, Arthur from Amsterdam. No, alliteration in your name is not necessary to lead a WSA tour. Aloise in from Paris and Stephen in from Ireland. So we passed a great few days there out in Dingle. It's an incredible place to spend a weekend and Dingle's a beautiful Irish town on the rugged west coast. And uh, now I am in Dublin researching up a storm and we have some incredible news. We're on track to get four thousand subscribers to this podcast by the end of this weekend. I can't believe it. The uptake, response, and general positive feedback and reviews has been amazing. I have to say a quick thank you for the support. I'm hoping we can really turn this podcast into a community in which we educate and empower each other to keep exploring around the world. Especially now in this day and age, we need more awareness and more intercultural connection than ever before. I hope you're enjoying it, and I'm so excited to bring you even more episodes moving forward. Please let us know what you think about it so far, and please do leave us ratings as well. We're all ears because we really want to do it right. Tell your friends, your schoolmates, and your family about us because you never know. They might be able to benefit from the knowledge that we're sharing on this show. Thank you so much, and I'm excited to bring you this next episode of Andy Steve's Travel Podcast. Happy travels. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode 6. I love these kind of adrenaline-filled trips, just like going for a goal. After doing it once, it's kind of addicting. It's like, all right, what's my next record going to be? Today, we've got an incredible guest, Drew Goldberg, AKA Drew Binsky. He's a travel extraordinaire with tens of thousands of followers on his social media handles, and with over 4,000 hits a day to his travel blog, he's kind of a big deal in the travel world. He's supporting himself through sponsorships and travel gigs to achieve his goal of visiting all 195 countries in the world before he turns 30. He's 25 years old now, has 92 countries, and a Guinness World Record under his travel belt. So he's well on his way. We had a great conversation, and I really hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here we go. Hey, there he is. How's it going, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I'm so excited to connect with you, man. This is the first time that we're actually communicating here face-to-face. And I think I found you originally, Drew, through the... You're going to have to explain this, but thehungrypartier.com. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I'm, so I'm excited to learn all about that. But first off, uh, welcome, Drew, and uh, thanks a million for, for joining us. Thanks, Andy. It's a pleasure being here. I'm excited to share my story and, and some tips with you guys. Let's first off talk about, just tell us who you are, where, where you came from originally. I get the sense that your, your life changed as soon as you started traveling. <laughs> is that the case? Yes, that is correct. So uh, my name is Drew Goldberg. I'm 25 years old from Scottsdale, Arizona. Graduated from University of Wisconsin-Madison in 2013 and uh, studied abroad in college and that's sort of in Prague and that opened up my eyes to the world and different cultures and then uh, right when I graduated I didn't want to, I wanted to escape the corporate world so I took a job teaching English in Korea and uh, lived there for 18 months. That's where I started my travel blog and where I kind of started learning about the digital nomad lifestyle and when I left Korea teaching English, I just decided to take off with my blog and travel full time and make a living online. Uh, grew my social media channels up 
so I left Korea two years ago about now, and I've been traveling the world nonstop. I've been to 92 countries since 2012, since I studied abroad, and I'm planning to visit every country in the world before I turn 30. So that, oh that's, my that, goodness. That's it, uh, me in a nutshell. <laughs> and what I'm dying to know, and I think what a lot of listeners will want to know, is how do you get from like teaching English abroad and studying abroad to, I'm looking at your website here, 77,000 Snapchat followers, 72,000 Instagram followers, 35,000 Twitter followers. Are you a genius or just a regular guy? <laughs> just a regular guy. It, it really takes a lot of work and you have to be able to have like a public personality. You know, a lot of like, you know, I'm not saying it's only for extroverts, but you have to be able to like, be on camera, you know, be on video. I, I do Snapchats all day and I'm, a lot of people aren't comfortable with that sort of, you know, showing their face. Um, but no, it's just a matter of like reaching out to people and it's not only Instagram, it's not only Facebook, it's not only Snapchat, it's not only the blog, it's like a combination of all of them. And it really takes a lot of work behind the scenes. I mean, I'm constantly reaching out to people, learning how to make my website better, finding ways to get my voice heard. That's another thing. Like, getting featured on big publications like Huffington Post, for example, I write for them and that, you know, expands my reach from my little blog to like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, just, you know, little by little, your name will get heard, but it's, it's not nothing you can do overnight. I don't, unless you like have a, a bestseller book or if you're like an actor and you have a movie coming out or if I'm on like the Ellen DeGeneres show, for example, I, I, overnight you could become a viral success, but in this sort of blogging world, it, that's not the way it works. You have to, we all grind every day and then little by little things will happen. Yeah. So. Step by step, huh? Yeah. So did you get your start at hungrypartier.com and then you decided to kind of get serious and you're like, whoa, actually I can keep doing this. And then you decided to, to go with drewbinski.com or what's the evolution there? Yeah, hungrypartier.com is where I originally started to document all my travels. Um, as the name suggests, I wrote about food and nightlife because that's what I like to do when I travel. You know, as I got older, I started that blog when I was 21. So I'm 25 now and I realized that that's not the best um, brand I want to associate with myself because I like to do other things except for just party. And it kind of makes me sound like an asshole, to be honest, uh, for people that don't know who I am. So what I, the reason I'm in San Diego now, I'm actually uh, working with a web designer. I'm turning Hungry Partier into a bigger, kind of like an elite daily type of like millennial website with viral content about travel and lifestyle and nightlife, specifically about nightlife as well. We're keeping the Hungry Partier name, but turning it into something bitter, bigger with writers and editors and stuff like that. But Drew Binsky is just, uh, Binsky is a nickname that I've always gone by and that, that was on my social media handles on Instagram and everything. So I just decided to start a new blog, Drew Binsky, and, and sort of make that my brand. And when I work with uh, companies like, you know, I was just went to Germany with the tourism board. I'd re much rather people know me as Drew Binsky than the hungry partier for obvious reasons. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I, yeah. when I look back at my blogs from when I was studying abroad in, in Rome in 2008 or even my travels before that, I'm just like, geez, you know, the, the internet wasn't an abstract right. thing back in the day. And you never thought anybody would actually find what you wrote. But now it's so well indexed that, that anybody can pull it up. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So how do you stay comfortable on the road? Do you have rituals or anything that make you feel at home in all these, uh, how many different countries have you been to so far? 92. 92. I mean, because I, I understand where you I do the same thing. I'm on the road almost constantly. And there's little things I might do to just try and stay comfortable in my own zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, things like Airbnb um, make it really easy to like find a place and feel like a local in any country you're in. If you've never used Airbnb, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, you know, you can get, I, I usually stay in countries like a week to a couple weeks, sometimes a month maybe, sometimes even three days, but it doesn't matter how long you stay. If you get Airbnb, 
you can stay um, like a local in an apartment um, and you really feel like you're living there even if it's a short period of time as opposed to a hotel if you're staying at the Marriott the Marriott looks the exact same whether you're in Suriname or whether you're in um, I don't know <laughs> Australia yeah, anywhere and that's been deliberate you know just like you walk yeah. into a Starbucks or a McDonald's they're all the same yeah. and so if you want something more unique Airbnb is a great option huh exactly now Airbnb has, you know, I, I've been traveling on Airbnb since 2010, I think. And uh, they've really, obviously, they've grown up to be a massive company now. And they're making tons of money. And they're tweaking their system to make more and more money from us, we consumers. Right. Like, what do you look for? Because, for example, one of the things that I've caught is, you know, a cheap price. Mm -hmm. That's what displays on the map when you're searching around on Airbnb, right? right. But then their cleaning fee will be 150 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always look for reviews. I, I'll never stay at a place unless there's more than like five or ten positive reviews. It's possible that someone could just open up a place right now, but you just I don't want to take the risk in case it's bad or something. So what I do is I look for the reviews, you know, I look check out the price and then I'll, I'll before I I'm going to Hanoi, Vietnam next month. So what I did was I found like five places I liked and I just sent a a, a direct message to the host. Uh, it's really easy to do that. I just copy and paste the same message, like, hey, my name's Drew. I'm looking to come to um, Hanoi for a couple weeks. Um, I just want to double check with you if you have fast Wi-Fi and, and if you can um, possibly offer a, a little bit of a discount. Because a lot of times if you just ask for it, they can do it. And I'll send the same message to five people. And if one of, one of the five gets back and I like it, then I'll just book it. So, you know, 90% of my Airbnb stays have been phenomenal. Um, the other 10%, they're not horrible, but... I could probably right. do something. Right. Like it's just yeah. like, you know, stains on the on right, the carpet right, or something right. that you didn't anticipate right. or whatever. But you're absolutely right in, in terms of like, for me, the biggest thing is ha just having a fridge and a, yeah. a microwave right. or a stove, okay. you know, like yeah. so, so that I can make coffee at home. Like you said, Wi-Fi, do some yeah. work and, and feel Definitely. at home in a place. That's that's interesting. Now, um, in one of your blogs I was reading, you were talking about couch surfing. Now, I've, I have a couch surfing account, but I've never actually s couch surfed. Do you still do right. that these days? Yeah, um, I'm I'm heading to the Middle East in a couple of weeks, and I, I'm I already opened up couch surfing. I haven't done it since last summer or two summers ago, a year and a half. But it's a really good alternative for budget travelers and really only solo travelers. You can't couch surf if you're staying with if you're traveling with more than one person. But basically, you know, locals um, who have an empty couch, hence the name, or a bed or a floor space, um, open up their doors for free. So it, it's absolutely free. And it's more of like a cultural exchange, you know, they, their incentive is they get to meet a cool traveler and share, you know, share their culture with you. And for you, you get a free place to stay. Um, it's really, it's a little more risky for like, you know, it's not always comfortable if you're looking for a luxury place, couch surfing is not your way, but it's a really good way to um, connect with locals. And, you know, um, like I said, it's free and it's, you yeah. know, I, I couch surfed in Kyoto, Japan and the, the, um, the host was awesome. He gave me his bike to like go around the city. He he took me out at night and you know, once again, read the reviews just like I do for Airbnb and, and you can get a good feel for the person by the reviews. Gotcha. So my biggest hang up with uh couch surfing today has just been the fact that it takes so much time to find a place. Oh, yeah, um they right. you have to send out you send out five or ten requests on Airbnb, you send out many more on right, couch surfing. Right. Is that the case? Yeah, it's the same it's the same process. I'll find five people who I think have a good place and I'll send them. It's just you copy and paste the same message. You yeah. just change the name. Hey, blah, blah, yeah. blah, whatever. So it's really not that hard. You just got to be sure and uh, change the name because that, that, uh, sometimes you forget to do that, or at least I do. Right. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> hey, are you a world record holder or was that an attempt? Yeah, so um, it was an attempt to set the Guinness world record. I, had, I got it approved by Guinness Book. But yeah, um, right now my 
uh, stuff is in for review, uh, review by them. But basically, I set the record to uh, visit the most UNESCO World Heritage sites in 24 hours. Me and a buddy started in uh, Germany, and we did seven sites in Germany, and then five more in Holland in 24 hours. We just had to get a picture out, outside of the place. So it was really, you know, first of all, I visited a lot of new places, but it's not like I didn't do the trip just to like go to these sites because obviously I didn't have time to explore them, but just to, you know, make it market myself, get a name out. And um, I love these kind of adrenaline filled trips, just like going for a goal. And um, also I've always wanted to be in the Guinness book. So it's kind of a combination of why I did it. Um, and now after doing it once, it's kind of addicting. It's like, all right, what's my next record going to be? So this episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by our new guidebook, Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. Pick a city and go. This new guidebook highlights the key information you need to know for a three or four day visit to some of our favorite cities. We highlight the top sites, restaurants, nightlife venues and clubs and more to help you maximize your time, budget and fun while traveling through Europe. Pick up a copy online or in bookstores now. Also available at andysteves.com. Enjoy and let us know what you think. Happy travels. You mentioned kind of turning your travels into a game. I was looking at uh, the Hungry Party or kind of your your, your database of trips. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just blown away how, you know, for example, your, the spring break trip that you took while you studied abroad in, in Prague. I mean, that's that's the most unconventional trip I've ever <laughs> seen a student abroad right. in Europe take. Yeah. You know, most people will do London, yes, Paris, Amsterdam or go to Sicily right. for a week or, or go around Ireland. Instead, I'll let you say the, the, the destinations. But man, what a what itinerary. Yeah, just with two other friends, we crammed in like a Balkan trip um, in like five days. We hit like six countries. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, I've never been to Paris. I've been to every country in Europe except for Cyprus. And I've never been to Paris. Um, nothing against Paris, but I, I always just wanted to go to more obscure destinations. And I wanted to, for me, it's a more interesting cultural experience. Um, you know, London, um, Paris, those kinds of cities are most similar to um, what I'm used to at home. So I, I, I always, like, I was just in Kiev, Ukraine, and I loved it. It's one of my favorite cities in Europe. And um, other co- cities that I love are Budapest, Belgrade, um, Brasov, and uh, Romania. So these types of places, first of all, they're cheaper, uh, much, much cheaper than Western. Like a fraction of the yeah, cost. Yeah, I mean, cost. Yeah. you know, it, for example, in my guidebook, I have like a, kind of a expected costs breakdown at the front of yeah. each chapter. So like London, Paris, and uh, compared to Krakow right. and or uh, B- Budapest and Prague, for example, it's 30 or 40 euros for a hostel bed in yeah. Amsterdam or Paris or London these days, 10 in, yeah, in Central Europe, you know, yeah. or eight or nine we can say dollar, like probably 10 bucks even in some places in London for a pint of beer or, or in Paris. And then you go $2. to, again, Prague, Budapest, if that, you yeah. know, you can find it for a dollar even. Um, I mean, in, in Krakow, you can get a plate of pierogi and uh, for, for two bucks and a shot of vodka or a beer for a dollar. So right. you can get like full and wasted for eight bucks. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, that's a lot more attractive. And I'd much rather spend my time in those kinds of places. And not to mention the culture is just it's more fascinating to me. Everything's different. You know, the language is different. The people are, are way different. And, you know, there's a lot of cool things to, to explore in, in those parts of the world, and specifically Eastern Europe. Yeah. Now, um, 
I hear you in, in getting off the beaten path. I mean, I, I find that so rewarding. It takes a, maybe a little bit of extra effort, just like you said, you've never been to Paris, but, but you've had, I'm sure you've had more off the beaten path experiences in France. You know, I mean, I'm here in Barranquilla in Colombia and I haven't seen another gringo. Right. And you know, there's on the one hand, it's, if you're unaccustomed to a new place, maybe it's uh, you know, some people would be uncomfortable. Maybe it's a little stressful, but on the other hand, that's what travel is about to, to get away from the tourist crowds. Um, people always say like, Andy, it's a lot easier said than done getting off the beaten path. Do you have any tips or ideas or any philosophy yourself as to how to do that, how to get off the beaten path? Yeah, to be honest, I just kind of go with the flow. I mean, I, I talk to people who tell me which places are awesome and undiscovered. So I try to visit those countries. But as far as tips, I mean, it's, it should be kind of obvious which places are the most touristy places. Like in South America, obviously uh, Machu Picchu is, is the most touristy place, but Peru has so much more to offer than just Machu Picchu. I was just there a couple months ago and, you know, I was all over the country and I really enjoyed it. You know, in, in Asia, in, in Southeast Asia, everyone hears about Thailand. Everyone hears about, you know, Japan. That's not Southeast Asia, but you know what I'm saying? And those places are great, don't get me wrong, but you know, I spent two weeks in Myanmar, which is a country that probably many people who are listening to this haven't even heard of before, um, but it is just a fascinating country. Um, I didn't come across many other Americans or foreigners at all, and it was very cheap, um, really cool. I mean, I did a trekking for three days through a bunch of villages and slept on floors of people who you know, I, I share nothing in common with, nothing, absolutely nothing, but you know, it, it was a really, really cool experience, and, and those are things I would recommend looking out for. If, if anyone wants any tips of where to go, um, just email me, drew at drewbinski.com, and I'll be happy to share some advice. Drew, you're going to be way too famous to keep responding to individual emails. I respond to everyone. Yeah, that, that's incredible. You responded to my Snapchat, uh, you know, message almost instantly. Every and, Snapchat. Uh, yep. That's so crazy. So um, definitely uh, Drew at Drewbinski.com, but also just check out Drewbinski.com, right? Yep. You, get, you have a ton of information up there, huh? Right, right. Now, when somebody goes to your website, they see all your pictures. When they see you on Snapchat and all this... Um, it could be, and I interact with a lot of university administrators who might perceive that to be quantity over quality of tourism. You know, just like trying to hit as many different spots mm -hmm. as you can in 24 hours or, uh, you know, seeing all these different places, staying on the road right. always. Um, I see value in both, right. you know, seeing a lot, getting yourself out there. But then there's also the, the, the chance to, for example, you studied in Prague, yeah. you know, to stay there for four months. That's a completely different experience, right? Can you, can you speak to a little bit of one or the other? Not, not in terms necessarily of one being better or right. worse than the other, but just, just about that. Yeah, I mean, you're right. One is not better than the other. I mean, so I, so I lived in Prague for four months and I lived in Korea for 18 months. So I definitely got some experiences of, of culture. I mean, I can speak Korean really well, but I you know I love traveling fast. It, it enables me to get a taste of everywhere and then I kind of know which places I want to go back, which places I, I enjoy the most. And I'm not saying it's, you know, a lot of, for most people that they want to spend more than, you know, a few weeks in a place. And listen, I would love to spend three months in every country, but if I did that, I would be 80 by the time I finished the world. And, you know, I, I want to see the whole world by the time I'm, I'm 30 at a young age. So, um, you know, one is not better than the other, but whatever makes you feel comfortable. That's what I would say. You know, if, if you want to do a week getaway in Greece, go for it. If you want to stay on one island, go for it. If you want to visit three islands, then you can just take a quick um, ferry or, or even a seaplane and, and jump around. So, you know. In that sense, travel is kind of a, a selfish experience, isn't it? 
you know, pe bit. people say that it's hard to, you know, obviously if you have a travel buddy, you're sharing that experience with right. them. But um, I saw, I forget if it was a post or a blog or something, but it was just, it was, it was all about people, um, or it, this person was writing about, it's so hard to get anybody else to care once you come home. Yeah, You know, like, like who, who wants to hear about yeah, your trip to Miami or this or that? <laughs> but when you put it online, then people look at it as a resource. Yes. And also I'd like to add, like, when I spend three days in a country or in a city, I do more in that three days than most people do in weeks. Like, I, I'm always on the go. I spend all day exploring around, eating all the best local food. So let's say I had a week, let's say I had a week in, in, in Budapest. I would just kind of sit around. I would sleep in. I would, you know, you know, re relax more. But if I had two days, I would do everything in two days. So I'm still getting the same amount of stuff done. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there's a there's a saying that the, the task or your or your job fills up whatever time that you give it, right? Yeah. Whether it's two days Definitely. a week or two months. Definitely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't get me started thinking about Budapest. I love that yeah, city. It's a great it's spot. <laughs> so, how's a homeboy from Arizona who goes to school in Wisconsin decide that he wants to teach English abroad and then just embrace that lifestyle entirely? Like, did you grow up traveling a lot? Yeah, so I played competitive hockey growing up. I traveled all over the country, and um, I went on a, a various family vacations. Um, so I, I'd been to maybe 20 U.S. states when I was in high school, and I always loved to travel. I had maps on my wall. I always dreamed of going to places, but I never went overseas. So I always had kind of a travel bug in me, but I didn't know it would be turned into my full-blown job. After I studied abroad, as I said, it's where I really fell in love with cultures and foods and meeting people and having these really cool experiences. And I sort of knew, after I studied abroad, I sort of knew that's a career path I wanted to take. I just didn't, didn't know how I was going to take it. I wanted to start like a travel app or something uh, you know, of a bigger scale. But, um, you know, that was a little more high risk and I didn't have the money to do it. So I just started a blog, which is essentially free. Um, and, and, you know, one thing led to another. And once I realized I started making money, brands started sponsoring me. Um, tourism boards were inviting me out for destination trips and... I, I realized pretty quickly that I could turn it into a career, and that's exactly what I've done. Who pays you for what? How do you support yourself on the road? So brands like GoPro, for example, you know, they sponsor me and, and for certain events, certain campaigns, certain trips. Um, you know, I offer shout-outs on my social media channels, on my blog. A lot of people want links, so they'll pay me for specific links. Or, you know, I'll work with like a hotel chain like Marriott. They'll invite me to their property and they just want me to post about it on, on my socials. We shouldn't have given them a hard time earlier, huh? <laughs> right, yeah, I know. Um, so then they'll pay me, but also tourism boards. I just, I, I said, I just got back from Germany for a week and you know, they flew me out there and they, they gave me a nice paycheck just to um, you know, post about it on Instagram and Snapchat and my blog, but that wouldn't be possible if I didn't have the followers or, or the viewers to watch. So you know, that's why they, they're interested in working with me because they could spend their marketing budget on getting a lot of eyeballs on their content. You know, so that's mm -hmm. why it's important to work hard to grow your following and then you become more attractive to different brands who want to work with you. And I think I think the single most effective way to do that is by by producing, generating quality content, producing stuff that people want to see. Right. Yeah. you got to be interesting. I mean, if people if you're not interesting, if you're boring, that's why I said this job is not for everyone. You have to be willing to show your face, be on camera, share your voice, because then you become interesting for people to follow. If you're just like boring and, and, and you post pictures of, of the wall, you know, no one's going to want to, no one's going to want to follow you. So it definitely takes a certain person to do it. Who would you consider your peers in the space? Like if somebody follows you, who else are they probably going to follow? There's a lot of other travel bloggers and Instagrammers out there. Um, 
you know, one guy I look up to, his name's Matt from the Expert Vagabond. He's been doing this for longer than I have, but, you know, he's, he's got a bigger following and, you know, he posts similar stuff. We have similar audiences. There's a girl named Kirsten Rich who's from the Blonde Abroad. I'm sure many people are listening. Um, if you ever if you follow travel people on Instagram, you probably came across her. She's very popular. She does the same stuff I do, but on a bigger scale. Like, she, she charges more money and, you know, she'll go to more destinations um, or she'll have more sponsorships. But... There's a lot of people um, in the field that if you follow, just if you go to my Instagram and check out the people that I follow, you can find out some of them right there. Are you pretty selective about the, the people that you follow? Um, not like super strict. I mean, if someone's interesting, I'll follow them. But a lot of people write me like, hey, follow me on Instagram. And like, okay, what am I going to get out of that? <laughs> so I, don't fo- I won't follow you if you do that. Um, do you reach out to the, the German um, tourism board or do you reach out to GoPro and say, hey, like, this is me. Look at what I do. Sponsor me. Or do they find you? Right. What's the balance um, there? I would say it's about 50-50 right now. At the beginning, it was like 90% me reaching out to brands to get their attention. But, you know, word of mouth spreads. If, if someone works with me and then they, they, they share their con- my contact with them and then I'll get emails from people or brands to work together. Um, hopefully moving in the future, it's going to be, you know, more of them reaching out to me, but I'm just about to do a big round of pitches. Um, I have a spreadsheet right now and I have like all the different brands I'm going to contact and, you know, what email I'm going to send them. So I do that about every, every four to five months, I'll do like a big push, a big media push. Um, but then I just kind of, kind of sit back and, and, you know, they trickle in. But like I said, hopefully in two, three years from now, I'm having to pick and choose who I'm working with. So. There you go. And what's next for you? It sounds like you got a project here in, in San Diego going on. It, it's, is it secret? You, you mentioned it. You kind of hinted at it earlier. No, but. It's, not, it's not secret at all. I just haven't really announced it. But yeah, I mean, The Hungry Partier, my old blog, I'm taking off the The and I'm turning it into Hungry Partier. And like I said, it's more of a um, kind of like Elite Daily or, or Travel and Leisure or Daily Mail, kind of those like sites with a bunch of writers and, and editors and publishers. And specifically, I want to keep the nightlife niche. So I'm going to I've already written 20 different nightlife guides around the world, and those are really popular posts. So we're going to kind of stick with that, but also invite, you know, any other travel tips or stories that people want to share. So I'm working with a web designer, and we're currently remodeling the site, which is almost done. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to try to turn it into something really big. So that's what I'm working on now. And so you, uh, you have kind of uh, contributors or writers that you work with to, to develop this? For Hungry Party? Yeah. Um, I'm in the process of reaching out to people or writers who want to contribute on a monthly basis. Um, and yeah, we're, we're going to expand the network. And then that, that's the way that you really grow traffic is if you have other people writing and then they're sharing it on their side and then it gets shared across Facebook and stuff like that. So It's so important to leverage those, um, those contacts, isn't it? Like the, that, those networks beyond yeah, yours. Yeah, you can only do so much yeah. yourself. I mean, you kind of, you can grow, but at a really slow rate, which is what I've been doing for the last two or three years. But if you really want to ramp it to the next level, you have to get other other people to help you out. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, do, 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 these aren't employees. These people just contribute for fun because they like to write. Exactly. Are they get, do they get paid? No, they're, they're not getting paid. Right now, we're offering just them to get exposure, um, links to their sites. My blog, The Hungry Partier, is getting about 4,500 visits a day. So, um, you know, if you could think they're going to get a lot of exposure on their own on their own blogs as well from that. But you can't really, if you're just starting a new website, then it's a lot harder to 
have people write for you because what are they going to get out of it? You have to somehow have a mutual exchange. Exactly. Just like you're looking for the bigger sharks, you're a big shark compared to the people who are just getting started. Huh? I guess you could think about it that way. <laughs> yeah. It's always a ladder, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, Drew, I, I really appreciate your time today and, and of course these, these resources that you have online. I mean, it's just been a lot of fun catching up with that and, and learning a little bit more. If we want to look you up, where, where's the best place to find you? So the best, the best places to find me are really on Snapchat and Instagram because I'm posting daily content. Um, it's just at Drew Binsky on both D-R-E-W-B-I-N-S-K-Y. And additionally, DrewBinsky.com, my blog, and you can see all my, um, my posts and stuff. But I, I encourage you guys to reach out to me, send me emails. Um, I, I love hearing from you guys. I love answering your travel questions, and I love sharing my insight with you. That's the reason why I do what I do. So if you're listening to this, send me an email, tell me you listen to this and ask me a question and I'll get back to you. Thanks a million, Drew. I appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the best in these uh, in this in this big project here. Lord knows it's not easy and it's not cheap either, huh? Right. <laughs> that is both true. <laughs> Good luck and have fun as I'm sure you will on the road, all right? All right, man. Thanks a lot, Andy. Thanks again for listening. Find all show details, links, and tips at andysteves.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.